there is balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, and who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Psalm 24. Well, hello and welcome to another Balm and Gilead podcast. Uh, this week is a little bit more special than most. Yeah, you're, weird. your voice yeah. sounded a little different reading that psalm there, Grant. It sounded just a little different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let me get my diabetes flight out. I got water hey, here today. Yeah. <laughs> you I have also a diabetes have- flight? I do. I have some um, hot apple cider, uh, some hot tea. And a uh, LaCroix. We have um, pastique flavor, which is watermelon in French. Oh, so, man. Yeah. And, and, I, Brian, I and Brian Jemerson has given up. He's drinking whiskey straight from the bottle, folks. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with him. I, I've come here to – it's an intervention, really. That's why I'm here. We're intervening <laughs> in Brian's life. <laughs> Brian, I didn't want to tell you this before. Yeah. <sighs> As you may have uh, – told from the sultry tones of uh that wonderful uh baritone uh we, we have jim briggs here uh, hi jim hey. briggs uh, who recently led the million maga march and is even now preparing uh big cases showing the unconstitutionality of the 2020 election and the outrage of things that were done to change the outcome outrageous wait uh this just in from twitter uh, exclamation point this claim about election fraud is disputed it is it is disputed we as do. it should be <laughs> i love that I, I love that it's it's the unconstitutionality of the election not like you know an outcome or a politician it's the election i just I, <laughs> like the whole thing <laughs> the whole thing i just i don't think it's constitutional and here's here's why yep we've heard about your crazy politics there in spokane jim oh yeah starting new states like libertaria and <laughs> libertaria. Uh, <laughs> while while a good name grant 
there, there are proposals on the books, as they say, to uh, partition off uh, uh, Eastern Washington as the state of liberty. But hey, close enough. I'll take libertaria. Right. The Statue of name. Liberty. Yeah. Uh, there are some crazy politicians that uh, I apparently claimed he was a Christian and went around saying that uh, non-Christians should all die. Is this uh, is this the case? Can you confirm? I, I that's whoa. I'm on this. This is on the spot, Grant. Uh, that's how you guys do it on this podcast. I love it. So I need to, I need to really come prepared here. No, there is, there. there how do I say this? Because this is this is live. This is Bill O'Reilly style, guys. This is live. Yeah. Um, there is a politician. Uh, his name is Matt Shea. He is a representative of a city not far from these very airways being recorded where I am at right now in Spokane, Washington. Um, and he did sort of say that kind of. Um, no, actually, what really happened was he got caught some notes he made some notes on a sermon that he heard and those notes basically articulated some theonomy ish stuff but basically it's christian reconstructionism not christian Recon christian identity that's what i mean christian have you guys ever heard of that christian identity no it's kind of I like mean, a sect identity. of it's really crazy stuff it's basically there where christians take over society and um but it's some racial stuff that's thrown in there um, and it's it all gets pretty crazy. There's actually a lot of it where I live, and uh, he does live here. <laughs> so he does. He's not my representative. I did not vote for the guy, and he actually uh, is no longer running. So he took himself out because of the controversy, as they say, of these crazy things that he said. I didn't mean to actually go into that, that thing, but That's you fine. asked, and yeah. and I, well, <laughs> I answered. I did. You, you know, I had I I had an in. Uh, one of my good friends uh, is from Spokane is hey. actually driving home from Spokane back to Oklahoma city right now. And I In asked Nebraska, him, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Wyoming actually. Yes. Oklahoma city, Wyoming. Okay. And I asked him if there was any, any, any juicy bits that I should ask you about, uh, ask your opinion on. Was that one and, of the things? Well, I mean, it was, it was well, one of the yeah. things he wasn't sure how political our show was. I told him, well, not very, but that has very little to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about whatever. Yeah. He's around. It's weird. And that's all I have to say about that. Cool. Fair enough. It's all Jim, weird. I'm also told that you read the Bible. So oh, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that's, that's, that's public now. We can, we can establish yeah. that. One of the first things we talk about is Jim. I was worried indeed. about you, Jim. <laughs> I know. And that's my own fault. I wasn't I mean, worried about you, actually. I was worried about me. See, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you say something on the show, and I'm just, you know, obliged to follow whatever you and David say. Indeed, and I, I do wield influence. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Grant. That was my fault. That is that is a case study. In is it, um, it, it is no, it's a case study that when you're on a podcast and you say words, like people hear them and they interpret them. So you have to be really I careful. So. What I don't, you say. I don't if know. you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, Brian's like, I don't know. I don't know what right. you guys are talking about. So yeah, sorry about that, Grant. I do indeed read the Bible. That's good. Um, I'm That's... just teasing you. But okay. you're also, on a more serious note, the host of the Lightest Form of Flogging podcast. Uh -huh. uh, so I guess if for, for those of us in the audience, uh, which would be weird if people listen to our show, but not, not their show, which is far more well-known, um, 
could you tell us a little bit about the lightest form of flogging? I mean, are we talking about uh, the realms of cooked spaghetti at this point, or? I have a note here uh, to ask you what that means. I don't. It's a phrase well, I've never heard of before. <laughs> I, I, you know, I never heard of it before either. We'll Just... say, say somebody somebody will come along and say that you know you should be whipped with a limp noodle. And oh, so yes. I was yes. I was unsure if maybe this had something to do with the lightest form of flogging. My understanding <laughs> is that it came from some discussion you and David had at yeah. a Bible study. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was a small group. Um, no, I, I now I understand. Thank you for bringing me to an understanding and clarity for showing me the light. Uh, I, my an old band teacher of mine used to say whenever we screwed up, he would give us forty lashes with a wet noodle. So that's. I don't know why I mentioned that, but I did. And here we are. No, uh, lattice form of flogging. Uh, yes, that is, you know, it's kind of funny. Technically, uh, your podcast and my podcast were under the same parent company. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're like sister podcasts, right? That is true. We're, yeah, I mean, we are, we are owned. Would... We are owned by the Tech Reformation podcast, which doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> isn't it weird? It is weird. <laughs> We've, I've yeah, thought of our this. Our parent company is just... You know, off the rails. Uh, no. So lightest form of flogging. Uh, I'll go ahead and def- say what we're all about. And then I'll do a quick story. Very brief. No more than 10 seconds. Uh, and a bunch more after that uh, as to why we're <laughs> named this very strange name. So lightest form of flogging. We are best defined, in my opinion, as a comedic two guys talking podcast. That's just uh, that's that's what I, at its bare minimum. We're just a comedic two guys talking podcast but it's specifically about me and another guy who couldn't possibly be more different just not really polar opposites he's just in a different category you know david he's just you know he's out there and then me i'm out there over there so we're, we're both out there and but we're friends and it was very strange that we're both friends so we decided to start a podcast and try and figure out why we are the way we are so it's like an exploration two guys talking uh, freeform kind of podcast with a lot of comedy thrown into it because we want it to be entertaining. So, uh, so as a result, as a consequence, as Jordan Peterson likes to say, as a consequence, uh, we talk about quite a few topics. So I can't really say it's just about one topic. We talk about pop psychology. We talk about um, we talk about theology sometimes. <laughs> Not anymore. But um, logical fallacies. We did a series on logical fallacies. Uh, we talk about why Scotch. people lie. We did some Scotch episodes. That's right. We did a we did a whiskey series about the finer spirits in life. Uh, we've talked about depression and anxiety. We've talked about vocation. We've talked about it all, guys. Uh, so that's that's what our podcast is about. And the reason why it's called that stupid name, lightest form of flogging, is because David and I were in a small group together, and we were talking. I think in somewhere in Matthew about uh, the the flagellation of of you know who. And uh, David just mentioned, you know, we were talking about it back and forth, and he just uttered the phrase, you know, it's kind of like a lighter form of flogging. And, and I said, huh? And he said, oh, podcast title. And because he was trying to convince me to do a podcast with him, and he just randomly chose that phrase of his to be our podcast title. And I just thought, oh, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> it was, no one's going to understand anything we say. And, uh, and I thought, well, at least it'll be memorable. So no one knows what it means, but they can't forget it. <laughs> it's all right. Our dumb podcast name is uh, it was a result of a random comment from a small group. So it's that's okay. what the lightest from blogging is all about. The Balm of Gilead title is titled that because of it. We are the balm for the flogging. 
But true. Yes. We literally based our name and our show after and, and pattern some of the pieces after yeah. lightest form of vlogging. I I've say. noticed. <laughs> uh, well, we think we, we think you do a pretty good job anyway, yeah. and I think yeah, it's really working out. Thank you guys. So, it's wonderful. To, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, for us. I mean, you guys. <laughs> no, no. You, well, you I, guys need work, but the show is fine. <laughs> the overall show. I, the, the the players. Eh. I do have to thank. Uh, I do have to thank David for converting me to Presbyterianism. Uh, that you were that, one of his many converts. That yes. happened. I was at least his only one. Um, over the internet, over the internet, uh, even, hey, so it is possible, Brian. It is on Slack. I never thought it was at <laughs> slack.techreformation.com where you can join yeah. the conversation and yes. segue into the perfect advertisement to Slack. Awesome. Oh, yes. If you want to join Jim, Brian, and me on Slack, join us at slack.techreformation.com. There you can join. Join us, talk about politics or food or uh, even this show called The Balm and Gilead or The Lightest Form of Flogging. You can find all of that and much more on Tech Reformation, our parent company, yes. uh, so to speak, is, is out such there. Such as it Slack is, Grant. Tech Reformation. Yes, such as it is. In such as it is. Limited. As a consequence. State. So yes. tell me more about your theme song. <laughs> I, I, we were eventually going to cover that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Lightest Form of Flogging podcast has uh, Brian Emerson as its primary composer of the theme song that we employ at the end. Uh, Brian reached out to us. Did, is, that how, is that how it happened, Brian? I you, can't quite remember. You said in an episode, because um, you're talking, I think Craig didn't like your song because your song was long and weird and techno-y. And Craig, you're, what's wrong with you? That's I know. A, it's a great song. And, and, and you were talking about how Craig didn't like your song. Craig is yeah. one of the hosts of the tech reformation podcast that kind of exists Um, still put that in past tense that existed and uh he didn't like your techno theme song and so you were talking about it and you said you know if one of our listeners decided to write us a theme song we would totally use it and then i contacted you like the next day and we're like hey i could write you a song (laughs) i believe like you probably already had it like written in your head i mean it was just a matter of you recording it yeah you, uh, you reached out to us, and it was awesome, and we decided to go down the rabbit hole, and you came through, my brother. Yes. That, that was a, it was, that it is was a, a lot great, of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool to have a podcast that no one likes, Yeah, but the song, <laughs> but we have a guy who wrote a song for us, uh, and it's really great. So yeah, you really um, put your many prodigious musical talents yeah. to use and, we know and that produced Craig, a song for us. We know that Craig liked it better because he actually used a bit of it as an ending of one of his episodes once. So, yeah. uh, so thank you very much, Craig. Uh, we finally made Craig happy. Yes. He's just, he's just tough. You know, those Australians, it's just tough to make them happy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. German speaking Australians. They're the, right. they're the worst. They're Jim, <laughs> we have something else that we want to thank you for. Okay. Uh, and that is your uncanny ability, inability to pronounce the phrase brav gallantrio as it led to, <laughs> The naming of our satire wing. I did not write this no, that was uh, me. one. Uh, this Brian. Um, yes, um, the bomb of Gilead is our our title, but uh, somehow you have man- managed to come up with many uh, alternative. Uh, they, they flow spelling. out. They just start to flow yeah. out. Yeah, alternative. One day spelling. I just. That's... Yeah, alternative. There's there's 
It was the, the bomb in Gilead, and then we said bomb of Galahad, and then it just yes. opened the floodgates. We could do bomb of Gondor, uh, the, the, the ballast of Greg, uh, <laughs> bra of Galadriel. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't write that. That okay. was me. That was all me. <laughs> that, was, that was Brian. I take Your credit. imaginations should yes. stop wherever they're going. I want you to stop. Okay. But yeah. But no. So yeah, we came yeah. up with we came up with Bomb of Galahad because we thought that that was we thought that was funny. It reminded me of the uh the holy hand grenade. And so yeah. we we just went with we went with that for our satire wing, which every good every good discernment podcast needs to have a satire wing. Indeed. Indeed. If if they're not already self satirizing themselves, you know. I'm sure we can all I'm sure we can all name a few of those that have just kind of become a satire unto themselves. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, so that is Jim. That is Jim Briggs. That is his introduction. We have successfully introduced Jim Briggs as our as our guest. This is the first question yes. mark? <laughs> this is the first of hopefully many of interviews uh, that, that we, we want to do uh, in the future. And so hopefully uh, we will we'll, we'll, we'll do a decent job. Uh, we've got some more interview questions and answers coming for you. But first, uh, a follow-up. So I had a few points of follow-up that I'd like to go through. Um, so I posted... Uh, my questionnaire on a different part of the Slack uh, channel that doesn't that gets some traction that doesn't quite make it to the the Balm of Gilead wing, but um, and I had some interaction with it that uh, it was it was very useful. Uh, it ended up it was it ended up being a weird conversation there at the end, but um, a couple of things I wanted to point out is. I am going to stop using the word authorized or prescribed to explain uh, what I am trying to do with my podcast. I, I I am not trying to figure out what the what God's authorized worship is concerning modern music. I am trying to figure out what His authorized worship is through Scripture. And then check to see if what is if what we are singing lines up with with that. But when but I have used the, the term authorized, like I'm trying to figure out what his authorized worship is. And when I do that, it, it kind of sounds like I have a special revelation. Uh, but I don't. I don't have a special revelation from God. I believe that the canon is closed and that it is sufficient. Um, it's also kind of, it sounds like I have a secret knowledge, which I don't have. That is a very uh, Gnostic idea, uh, in, which is a condemned heresy. Uh, the Bible is fully sufficient, and we can know everything that we need to know through regular study of the scripture. Uh, my goal for the project is to study the description of authorized worship practices found in the scripture as a way to know God more deeply and to better know how he wants to be worshipped. Um, also in a very old, uh, pre Balmcast version of the questionnaire, I included a lot of questions about emotions. They were specifically like, uh, does the, uh, does the instrumentation or does the language evoke emotions improperly? Uh, or does it, does it try to get an emotional rise and, uh, and so I, I kind of did away with those types of questions when I started looking more toward, you know, what is the legitimate worship as opposed to what is, 
looking for illegitimate worship. Um, we talked we talked last time about the uh, the counterfeit money. Um, so as I kind of went away from that and trying to look for what is what is true, what is truth, uh, I, I did away with the emotions questions. But uh, this conversation that we had, emotions are still important. And so I wanted to give that some thought. I've, I've kind of snuck in the emotion stuff into some of the questions now. Um, and when I update the website, they'll, they'll be in there a little bit. But I'm, I want to take some time and really think about uh, how emotions kind of go into all of this so that I can, uh, so that I can have a good answer and not just an off-the-cuff answer for, for that question. Uh, finally, I want to thank uh, Laura Watson. She sent us uh, she sent us a, a form submission through our website. There, we have a way you can contact us through a form submission, and she wrote us a really uh, a really sweet and really moving uh, letter through there. And I just wanted to thank you. I let you know that we received that, and uh, and just let you know that that it was very meaningful to us. Um, so yeah, there's yeah, my. We- Follow Very up. much appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I just want to say if you would like to contact the show, you have a multitude of ways to do that. You can write us at there is at bombcast.com. You can you can go to our website at bombcast.com and fill out the form there as Laura did, or you can of course join us on Slack at slack.reformation.com. Uh yeah. Thanks for that follow-up, Brian. I I don't really have any. Um, I I do want to say I I kind of apologize. I was at work when I started seeing uh sort of this discussion beginning, and I kind of threw in a threw in a threw in a grenade and then like shut the door immediately. Um, holy hand and, grenade, if you will. Um, holy, yeah. The holy. <laughs> Did you count to five? One, two, five, three, sir, three. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. All I want to say about that is like, I, I, it seems that big Eva Christianity, right. Can definitely go way over on one side of like feelings and stuff like that. But um, maybe there is a place, I don't know. It's something to explore. Um, definitely. As we, we continue on through this journey together, mm-hmm. but enough about me and um, my non-existent follow-up. I'm just trying to ride Brian's coattails as I do most of this show. Yeah. But I just want to get to know <laughs> Jim Briggs a little bit better. And I guess a great place to start would just be uh, any favorite music recommendations or anything like that. What have you been listening to lately? And this segment is called Get to Know Your Podcast Guests by Brian and Grant. <laughs> All right, so so it, it, it's at this point in the podcast where I need to ask you guys if you want the truth <laughs> or do you want me to try and like wiggle my way out into sounding like I have good music recommendations? Which one would you like to hear? This is really just an icebreaker. So if you don't have any good music <laughs> recommendations, if you have nothing substantive to say, Jim, don't talk. Okay. No. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I, I thought about this. Like if someone were to ask me, like I'm being asked right now to recommend music. What would I recommend? And I honestly have not been listening to a whole lot of variety lately. I have been honestly listening to a lot of ambient music lately. You know, guys, know what I mean? Just ambient oh, really? Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So no, no yeah. lyrics. It's just kind of long Zero flowing. Beat. You know, I, it's, it's hard to describe, but uh, I listen to it a lot at work, so I can concentrate on work and not think about lyrics. Sure. Or really a lot of form or structure, and I've been listening to a lot of that because it's been calming to me. But the first thing that popped into my head was Pearl Jam's new album. <laughs> and I know that that might be out of school. I don't know. I don't know if you guys are freaked out. Is Jim a Christian anymore? But honestly, the new uh, Pearl Jam's new album has been really awesome. So I've been enjoying it. I, I will say, I thought Pearl Jam was a little bit older. Like, maybe they wouldn't be yeah. in school anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. That was well well played. <laughs> uh, Jim, they're not really in schooling. They're in their 50s, you know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. my Grant impression. No, Pearl Jam's new album is pretty <laughs> good. good. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've been turned on to a Canadian band. Uh, similar to Pearl Jam, called the Tragically Hip. Have you guys ever heard of the Tragically Hip? No, no, yes. you, Brian? I have not. I will look them up. I'm writing all this down. I can't say I've listened to much. They're like they do sound Pearl familiar. Jam, but they're Canadian, and I've just been really digging their music lately. So, it's a little blast from the past. I'm a highly nostalgic person. Uh, the the human beings' uh, weakness, nostalgia, and the neck. Uh, but I've been really getting into Tragically Hip lately. So it's, it's, that's my deep cut recommendation. You know, uh, a band that no one knows about, but I've been listening to it, and I think you should too. So, this so thank you for listening type to Jim's recommendation. music for those that are listening at home, yeah. which hopefully you're listening at home or in the car or something. Yeah, you're in the car, in a tree, <laughs> underground, underwater. A fox. We just want fox. you to listen. Yep. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> okay, I was, that was my gym impression. It was terrible. Yeah, that's um, what I sound like. <gasps> I think, Grant, if you just drink a little bit more milk, yeah. I think you'll hit it. Yeah. <laughs> there okay. you go. That's the uh, LaCroix. That's the, that's the LaCroix. That's the sound of LaCroix. That's what that is. Or as the kids say, the LaCrocs. <laughs> <laughs> Some kids do. My co- kids call it LaCroix, yeah. actually. Your kids? My, my kids don't know that LaCroix is even a thing. They wouldn't know what to say. They would probably <laughs> call it LaCrocs if they read it, though. Yeah. <laughs> From there, you, you know, uh, you you must sing songs in church, I'm guessing. Uh, well, and- well you, you know, Grant, our governor has forbidden do know. The, the, the congregational singing aspect of church. He has forbidden it. It, is, it has been thus decreed by our governor, that we should not be congregationally singing in our church. Have you thus decreed that you will um, ignore said mandate? Or maybe you can't say, but I know uh, a number of churches have decided yeah. against that. But um, when you do uh, yeah. get to sing in church, yes. do you have any favorite uh, song recommendations? Or or not recommend? <laughs> what, what we're trying to say is, what songs is really give you the feels? The feels, yes. The the the, the warm the warm fuzzies. The warm fuzzies, yeah. Yes. What ones make you raise your hands? Yeah, that's <laughs> guys. I seriously haven't done that in such a long time. I used to do that. Yeah, I, I haven't raised my hands every in... time. I feel pressured. I say Christian liberty. It's my Christian liberty. There you go. WCF chapter not... twenty ish. There you go. Uh, no, no. Uh, this is a cool. This has been a cool question to think about. I do have some favorite songs. Um, and how do we transition to some serious time? It's really hard. This is probably harder when I'm on the show because all I want to do is just play around and have fun. So I'm sorry, the pressure I've brought upon you, Grant, but we will do this together, you and I, and Brian Jim, too. Uh, the whole but, world. 
is watching. The whole world believes yes. in you. Yes, they I do. I believe in you. We've checked. Brian believes in you. <laughs> All right. I, no, I, I do. I have some favorite songs in church. You do. Brian, <laughs> contrary to popular opinion, Brian does believe in me. Um, no, I, um, I guess I could say, um, I don't like to have like an all-time favorite list, but I can give you the the songs that have been that I've been connecting with. I guess you could say uh, lately, uh, we've been singing the doxology at church a lot, and what a timeless song! You know, very simple lyrics. There's there's only uh, really, I guess technically there's really only one verse, depending on the the uh, version that one sings. There is a couple of amens in it, but we've been kind of singing we, we know. Uh, we, a more we know. modern. Yes, because you guys covered it last episode, an episode I did not listen to. Yes. Shame on me. But uh, we've been kind of playing like the, um, the the more rockish version of it, which is uh, who who did that? Um, David Crowder, that... right? David oh. Crowder did a version oh, of that. Know. That's more of like a rock kind of arrangement. That sounds I right. guess it's what we've been playing. Um, but I, I really I've always enjoyed the doxology. Um, I love the song Grace Alone. That always gets me in the feels. You guys familiar with that by Dustin Kensrue? Yeah. That's a cool song. I really enjoy Grace Alone, um, both musically and lyrically. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a cool song for me. Um, really reminds me of um, how I'm supposed to get through this life. Um, I also really enjoy it's, it's. I don't know if you guys have heard of this song, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's a song called His Mercy is More. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, we sing it a lot at our X-29 church. Cool. Sure. It's by uh, I don't know who I, I don't know who sings it, but I know it's it was written by Matt. What is it? I have my notes here. I Chandler. Wrote it, I wrote it in Sanskrit. Matt Chandler. No, uh, Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. Yeah. In the Midwestern in me, whenever I see the name Matt Papa, I want to say it in my Midwestern accent. Matt Papa. Matt Papa. Hi, I'm Matt Papa. <laughs> it's an uncontrollable <laughs> urge to say that. In, but no, his mercy is more. I used to actually not like that song. Um, I always thought it was just too simple. I thought the I just never it was this was the problem was me. But the last couple of years I have kind of come to that song anew and glory and uh the the truths that it uh, I sing. Um after you know with that song. It's a really cool song. It's it's you know it's not the most dazzling of melodies I would say, but uh, incredibly powerful uh, lyrically. They should start uh, a yeah, band. They should start a band to compete with Shane and Shane and just call themselves Matt and Matt. Matt and Matt, Greg and Greg, <laughs> Phil and Phil, <laughs> taking the stage. <laughs> um, the, the two banjos. No. Um, yeah. Favorite hymns in Christ alone and praise to the Lord. There you go. Cheers. Those are good hymns. I will select some of my diabetes flight. Cheers to you. Yes. Cheers. <clears throat> so there you go. Those are my favorite songs. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, Brian, did you want to introduce the next one? Because, uh, like, I feel like I've done a lot of, interdu- uh, like, asking. Yeah, he wants to stop it. talking to me. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can you talk to Jim? I can't do it anymore, man. So I had some uh, some specific questions about um, the flogging show. Yes. Uh, first, uh, what made you think it was a good idea to start a podcast? Well, Brian, <laughs> there's two reasons why I started a podcast, and they are thus. I am white, and I'm in my 30s. <laughs> was it was it David that that posted at the beginning of the pandemic on on Slack? Uh, just a it was a meme, I think that was just so that you know, 
Amazon is out of podcast oh. microphones. <laughs> no, it, the meme went on to say, that's how bad it's getting. That's how bad it's getting, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a lot of these, you know, that's, it's uh, it's a funny stereotype, but there are kernels of truth in this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a way to check objectively all of the new Christian podcasts that are coming out, but I will say this, the ones that I have found are started by white guys in their 30s. <laughs> hey, this what, is an epidemic. What about Dagle Bites? <laughs> yeah. What about Dagle Bites? She, she's not D- old. Yeah, Dagle Bites. What is that? I don't know what that is. Was, the number oh. one Christian singer oh, of all times right. has a podcast. As soon as I, I said I that. I actually didn't check. One moment. Oh, no. It's it's still there. Go about your business. Remember, remember I, I posted... Don't even bother. <laughs> remember I posted that... Uh, that uh, Chris Tomlin and Lady A overthrew, um, overthrew uh, Zach Williams and Dolly Parton yes. for the number for the number one yes. slot. But Lauren Daigle is still in the number zero slot, and so the world the number zero. <laughs> so the world continues. She, yeah, she'll stay there. And, but uh, Dolly I, Parton and Chris Tomlin will fight for uh, number as, one. As I recall, um, Jim feels nothing. <laughs> what? I feel nothing. That's what you wrote. Said, oh, oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I wrote. I feel nothing as a result of that news, and it's true because yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you liked or disliked the change to the FCU format? Oh man, I hate it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The well, SVU, F, FCU. I can talk. FCU is flogging cinematic universe. This was David's idea. He. We do. As you guys know, and maybe some of your listeners do, and hopefully will know, we do some skits on our show. And usually the skits are fun for me to do, but they like whenever we broadcast them, people decide to no longer listen to the show anymore. <laughs> so we, and we keep doing that like over and over and over again. And David thought, because we're running out of material, we need to start doing FCU, a cinematic universe because over time with all these skits that we've done we've invented a lot of characters we do a lot of characters on our show and we have a lot of and some of the characters are kind of they've developed a personality over time and we should start using them in and kind of threading them in this grand kind of little universe where they just kind of have fun and uh, that's the fcu and we're doing that every other show and but the that's fun in theory but you actually have to write the skits <laughs> and they have to be funny and good and we've seemed to have missed that. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, they, those are. I, I like the FCU episodes almost better. Like I, I, yes. I've Some really don't, enjoyed though. them. I know, yeah. like Craig. Craig, <laughs> Craig, yeah, Craig doesn't like, and that's okay. The other reason why we did this is because some people like the silly stuff that we do, and some people don't. They like the more serious stuff that we do. So we thought, well, instead of making everybody miserable. Let's just make half of them miserable every other week. Yes. So we'll do silly stuff, and then we'll do next week a more serious episode. And that's just to kind of help our audience cope with us. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should just have two podcasts. Yeah. A heavier, I a mean, sillier form of flogging and a lighter form of flogging. <laughs> yeah. I've listened to them both. Uh, seriously, they're both great. Uh, some of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite FCU episodes to this point has been uh, the car salesman one. I'm very sorry. I cannot remember. <laughs> it was so true to life. Like, yeah. uh, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I'm not in sales as you are. Um, I've never been in car sales, but I've interacted with a lot of salespeople in my, of bought in my cars there, I've right? studied them. 
actually. Yeah. yeah. Like I've studied them because I, I build things for, for salespeople and whatnot. And yeah. it was very like, mm, it was very true to life. And I, <laughs> I very much appreciated it. And the good. Yeah. It was hilariously funny. Thank you. Uh, I, I was a car salesman for two years at a, at a General Motors dealership, and I, I called upon that experience yeah. and put it in the, the show. So, or I mean that, that skit. And so when you listen to that skit, uh, what you're hearing, I hopefully it's making you laugh. But a lot of that is true. <laughs> that <laughs> kind of sounds like a sales room, or a, we call it the sales tower is what they're called, actually. Yes. So you're, there's yes. The, the dealership floor, right? Everybody's sitting at the desk and, and buying cars from their salesman, and then they get up and go to go get a, a piece of paperwork that's right. like, you know, useless. Uh, right. But they go into what's called the sales tower. And the skit was designed to show you what it's like inside a sales tower. And we were having fun, but um, that's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe every word. Uh, seriously, like yeah. it, it sounded very true to life. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I can't re- yeah, like the salesperson is there to like work for you. Well, they're going uh-huh. up against the man in the tower, you know, and all that. Yeah. And it just, it, it felt very good from a, from a good place yeah. right there. Yeah. My, my kids enjoyed that Appreciate one as well. I, I was taking apart the bunk bed while listening to it. And the kids were like, <laughs> can we listen to that podcast again with the car salesman? I was like, the, the, the car salesman or car salesman manager, Lester Brannigan, who's about to die of a heart attack at any given moment. Cause he's so stressed out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he's a fan <laughs> I'm favorite. Glad, I'm glad my kids like that one. I, I liked Poor the, uh, I liked the origin of deep voice, man. I, I yep, the, that, the, was hilarious. that one was really good. Um, and of course, the Martin Lloyd Jones was in that one. Which, if if you're yes, paying attention at home, Martin Lloyd Jones has actually made an appearance on this podcast before. We uh, yeah. we we quoted. I don't remember what it, exactly what it was. We quoted Martin Lloyd Jones. We're like, as Martin Lloyd Jones would say, and they're like, wait, we should just get Jim to to do that. <laughs> and then we did, and you did, and it was great. Oh boy! Of all the voices I've tried to do, I can do Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I've, I don't really know why that is, but I can. I can do a decent Martin Lloyd-Jones impression. I, I'm and, a uh, pretty big fan of, of Martin Lloyd-Jones' uh, opinion of Star Wars. <laughs> I can't believe we did that. It was it, it was a bet. No, it wasn't a bet. It, it was, was if you we, got oh, a number of... It was if you got a number yeah. of uh, reviews. Yeah, we were... That, that was at the time when we were trying to get iTunes reviews. And yeah, we, we have Trying two. to get a new and noteworthy. And only like six of our listeners actually listen from iTunes. So it's just yeah. a lost cause. But we were trying to get more reviews. And I said, if we get, I think it was 15 reviews, I would do 10 minutes on the show of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I don't remember if we said we were going to talk about Star Wars or not, but I just said we were going we to, I was going to do Martin Lloyd-Jones for 10 minutes. And then David said, let's just talk about Star Wars for 10 minutes. I'm like, well, it's perfect. We ended up doing like 23 minutes. Yeah, yeah I listened to all 23 <laughs> glorious yes. minutes of it. And I was like, I was in character as Martin Lloyd Jones, but I was like mad you were. at David because he, I, I he's inexplicable to me. He's going to be listening to this, and he knows this. This is this is public record. I'm not talking behind his back, but he gives a we pass to Disney on the Last Jedi, and I, I'm getting upset now. I don't understand <laughs> how this is possible. So this is so surreal. I was arguing with David and I was actually mad at him, but I was doing it in a Martin Lloyd Jones voice. It's just, yeah. I'm, this, my life is so ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, 
one final question that I have for the icebreaker before moving on to our main topic. But uh, do you miss talking about theology? Is is it weird? Yes. Is it weird not talking about theology? Yes, yes it is. Yep. It's uh, it's it's. I'm not going to pull back the curtain too much, but yeah. it's something we're still working through. Yeah. But he's a he's a podcast partner, and uh, he's a friend, and I. That's what we do, guys. We defend our podcast partner. We, we, we sell what they're selling. Yep. We sell their product, and we go with them. Um, and I'm doing that with David. And I, I do, to some degree, see his point. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, because I argued with him when we announced it. But I hope we talk about it in some ways. We've, we've talked about it a little bit since then. I think he's warming up. But uh, a lot of our listeners have expressed... Um, reservations at that decision. So I have to keep that in mind. Yeah. You know? I, I, I mostly this is listening. because I still have your podcast classified on my Christianity playlist. And yeah. I'm wondering, should I keep it there or move it <laughs> off to the AM playlist? The AM playlist. Uh, I don't know what we are anymore. <laughs> so if you can I'm figure it out, let me know. Personal personal categorization world uh, i can't figure it out um no i i like your show no matter what um i'm i'm with you guys 100 percent, no matter what cool um i yeah so um but uh, i i did enjoy understanding and hearing about theology from various viewpoints and um the interaction between you uh, i i i don't know to me everything's a joke but um well not everything but Something. a lot of times uh anything uncomfortable is usually a joke to me um but uh so i don't know how much of that was you know very uh you, you know you whenever you play the jaws music indicating some tension in the room um <clears throat> you guys pick up i was on like that. yeah no this is really this is really good this is really deep like this is something that i want to know more about um and so uh, yeah, I, I mean, like whatever you guys decide is 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 great, but uh, we did, yeah. or I did personally enjoy those. That's good insight. Um, the uh, I put music into for everyone listening. I put sound. Of, we used to do a lot of sound effects on the show, and I decided it would be cool one day to clue the audience in to when David really makes me mad. Because I get pretty mad sometimes on the, uh, he, I can't control my emotions. He doesn't have any. It's easy for him. I I can't control. But anyways, we get into some arguments sometimes, and he says some things that are quite inflammatory to me. And I do this suspenseful sound effect in the show to clue the audience in that Jim is not happy right now. <laughs> and sometimes I put in like really ominous horror music yeah. in the background while him and I are arguing. This is so bizarre, but uh, those were good for me. Because even though I was sometimes mad at David, his challenges to me caused me to think through some things. And there are some opinions that I have changed as a result of talking with David about these things. So, yes, I am mad about it, but I am growing. Sanctification, folks. It's lovely. Sometimes uh, it has a soundtrack. And I've I've kind of already alluded to I, my I've had several opinions that have changed because of of some of what have, what David has said, uh, including He's surgical sometimes, yeah, including my, uh, ultimately my respect for the Psalms. Um, he yeah. kind of put me down a, a path 
toward the, the Psalms that I have now grown uh, a much deeper respect for and a much uh, yeah. deeper passion for. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm using, I'm using this as a, as a segue uh, to our main topic, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm really, uh, yeah, I, I hope that David eventually wants to talk about theology again, because I'd love to have him on the podcast, but it'd be very sure, hard yeah. to have him on this podcast and not talk about theology because we <laughs> are a theology podcast. Um, yes. And, uh, he'll come around guys. We'll, we'll get him. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get him eventually. I'm sure maybe we'll possibly. Him. Um, but, uh, we, uh, you know, our, we've been talking about the Psalms this this season. Uh, we're several episodes in. Uh, we've kind of gone through generalities. We've talked about lament. We've talked about praise, uh, and so we're going to talk. We're going to take a break from our like overall or overarching, um, you know, our outline that we've been kind of doing, just to kind of talk a little more practically about the Psalms and. Uh, I'm not going to do like a big question and answer thing. We kind of did that for the for the icebreaker, but I wanted to open up the the floor to just a discussion about um, you know how the Psalms have affected you personally, how they have affected uh, how you view worship, and um, and and just over the years. You know, how have you been able to incorporate the Psalms in your life or how have you been able to incorporate them in, uh, in worship? I, I know that you, um, went to a Dutch reformed service and were able to, yeah. uh, experience that, that Psalm singing. And, uh, I'm kind of curious to just, how did that affect you and how did that moving forward, you know, how does, you know, how do you, uh, relate more to the Psalms now? Cool question. Um, I'm going to tell you how I used to view the Psalms. I'll tell you how I view them now and what has changed. So confession time. I don't think I was a very good interpreter or reader or student of the Psalms past two years ago. I liked a lot of things about the Bible. I read it. I studied it, but I could not connect with the Psalms. And I don't think I understood why back then. And I don't honestly to my shame, I don't think I really cared to figure out why and pursue it. To me, there were uh, expressions of praise. And apart from that, I couldn't really figure out what the point of them was. And I know that if this sounds bad, I, I, I agree. Um, this was the former me, and this is not me anymore. But I think I approached the Psalms in this way. I was thinking about this today. I think I was trying to um, theologize the Psalms. What kind of theology can I extract from the Psalms? What kind of doctrine of God, or what, some, what can I learn about God by reading the Psalm? What can I extract out of that? So basically, I was systematizing the Psalms. That was, that was how I approached them. Like, okay, I'm going to read through this and see what I can learn about God, which, of course, you can do. And there's lots of things, attributes of God that we learn about by reading the Psalms. Of course, that's there. But that is not necessarily their direct intent, they were there are songs, and I, as a result, I could never really unlock the psalms. They were they were not mysterious, but I just didn't I couldn't extract much out of them that others were, and I was I was not jealous, but I was just like, wow, why are you getting so much out of the psalms? I wish I could I wish I could, 
but I couldn't figure it out. So that was how I used to view the Psalms. And then a couple of things happened. I met David, and through some debates about exclusive psalmody, he started some, saying some things about the Psalms that I've never heard of before. And the one that stands out to me is that he quoted Calvin. Calvin has said the Psalms are the anatomy of the soul. And what a provocative phrase that is. When he told, I'm sure you guys have heard of this phrase as well, that it's by Calvin, and you probably have thought about it. And what a way, I've never heard of the Psalms described, I've never heard the Psalms described like this before in my life. I have not necessarily, you know, went to the source and trying to figure it out and, you know, through exegesis what John Calvin meant by that. But that was a springboard for me. That was part of the key. It was it might have been the key that helped me unlock what the Psalms, what, the meaning of the Psalms and how I can interpret them and sit under them and praise through them and think through them. Around two years ago, two or three years ago, I, in, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm going to try and describe this as best I can for you guys. Let's just say I was at a very low point in my life and for various reasons. But I was struggling, I think, with depression. I think. I think that's what happened. I don't like using that word. I like to use the word melancholy. Because I, I, I hate saying that I struggle with depression because I, I don't think I do. I think it cheapens the experience of those who are like really going through some bad times. But whatever it was, I was in a, a low place. Let's just agree on that. And my heart, my sanctification, my mental state was ripe to fall into a group of writings such as the Psalms. And so I heard this from David. I heard him say this, and we, we talked through some of this, and I start think, rethinking what the Psalms were about. And I started looking at them as medicine for my soul. And all of a sudden, just everything opened up. The Psalms opened up to me. And I started reading them, I think, how they were intended. And I did a deep dive into David. I know he didn't write all of the Psalms, but he wrote a lot of them. And I don't think the guy had a very happy life. I think there were moments of happiness, but the guy went through a lot of turmoil in his life. Just think when his son Absalom was going through his episodes, we'll just say. I'm pretty certain a couple of Psalms came out of those times. And I started to see what Calvin, I think, meant, um, that the anatomy of our souls are, are in these very psalms. And there are a variety of emotions and religious affections and modes of approaching God. Not just one, there are many. You approach God in different ways in the psalms. It's not just all high praise, you know what I mean? It can be high praise from a state of happiness. It could be high praise from a very low point. David did that as well. And I started to see things. I started to see that. And so the past few years, I've been communing with the Psalms in a much more positive and glorified way. It helped me glorify God finally through the Psalms, or as I couldn't before, just because of my own sin and my own mind and my own stubborn refusal to to approach these books the way they're, these Psalms, the way they're supposed to be approached. And uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I changed. 
um, when it comes to the Psalms. So fast forward to how I uh, approached them in worship. Was that a question of yours, Brian? Yeah. Um, that curious phrase, I think it's in Ephesians, right, where we are to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. <laughs> I knew that was there, but <laughs> I, never, I never took it literally. And I know there's debate here uh, as to what that what that means. It's either psalms, hymns, or spiritual songs, or psalms, psalms, and psalmy psalms. I know that. Let's just assume... I don't even know where you guys are on this, actually, but let's just assume it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. At the very least, we are to be singing psalms in uh, Sunday morning. And guys, I would say, if I were to think of in terms of percentages, the churches I've been involved in have probably sang psalms maybe less than a half of a percent. And that's probably generous. Yep. And... I started to finally see why that's a, a bad thing. There's something wrong here. There is something wrong here with, uh, and this is the subject of your podcast. So this is just, this is where the fun is. And your podcast has gotten me to think about how I, that needs to be reckoned with. That needs to be reckoned with. So um, I have started to long for, I don't have a say in what we sing, but a conversation or two has been had in regards to our, our songs, amongst others, that I think are a better fulfillment of that, of that very curious phrase uh, in Ephesians. So um, in the past, we have sang, our church was at once part of the Sovereign Grace Ministries denomination. It's not a denomination, but it is. You know, you guys are familiar with that? I'm in the Acts 29 denomination. I mean, Church Planting Network. <laughs> yeah, you, you see, you, you know all about it, Grant. Um, they, uh, they have... They, say what you want about them. They they do pretty good music. They have a pretty good music apparatus there. And um, yeah. they did, I think, one Psalms album where they, uh, and they do a lot of albums. I have a lot of their albums. They released a couple albums a year. And they did a Psalms album one time. And they were basically adaptations. They were paraphrases of Psalms. And I just got to thinking, you know, uh, is that good enough? You know, are, are we to sing them word for word? Can we do paraphrases? If you do paraphrases, is that sufficient? for uh, to fulfilling that passage or to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? I don't know. But I started to think about these things the last couple of years, and I want to sing more psalms. I don't think, I don't hold the position we are to sing them exclusively, but at the very least, we are disobeying Scripture. We're disobeying Paul by excluding psalms from our, our song list. No, I, 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 totally, I totally get what you're saying about, about the paraphrases, and um, I, I want to do a full episode on like what is a paraphrase, uh, like yeah. what degrees of paraphrases that we can do. Uh, I, I would say that, um, that the old me, like my, my story lines up with yours pretty, pretty similarly, but I would say that I, the old me would say that give us clean hands was us singing the Psalms. Um, because it, it, you know, uses some of the language. Um, in a, okay. in a nutshell, I would say that I think that psalm paraphrases are very good if they are good psalm paraphrases and that they are okay. th those are sufficient. For me, those are sufficient. Um, I think that all like the any Psalter that's translated into English into a meter into a rhyme scheme is a paraphrase. It's a very, Thank you. very strict paraphrase, but it is still a paraphrase. Thank you. Um and the and uh, the Psalms, in and of themselves, 
yes, they are songs, but they are also uh, poetry, lyrics, and scripture. And you can't divorce any one from the other. And that makes them very complicated, especially when you consider them to be ancient Near Eastern Hebrew poetry and that our poetic Mm -hmm. devices today are very, very, very different. So even if you were to directly translate it into English, into the very best meter and rhyme scheme that you can, you're still going to have poetic devices that give different emphases to different phrases, and that's going to be subject to the uh, translator. Um, Yeah, I think it gets complicated when you throw in, you know, our traditional verse, chorus, verse, chorus, refrain, chorus, chorus. Yeah. That also is kind of like, are we supposed to be doing that? Can we do that? You know, it's a little weird. Yeah. And I would say that some psalms lend themselves to that sort of transliteration a lot better than other psalms. Um, like if you look at, uh, I think it's Psalm one thirty three, it's it's three verses, and it's uh, you know how how good it is when we dwell together with unity. It's like the the oil running through Aaron's beard and onto his robes and onto the street, and it's. It's a beautiful image if you understand the image. If you don't understand the image, it's like, what in the world is going on here? Um, There is a very beautiful uh, song that I've heard put up by Cardiphonia that uh, extends the, the, the verses to a normal song length. And it does a really good job of kind of tying it in and, uh, and giving some practical examples. Um, like one of the lines is, um, let your chest be filled with a brother's sigh. I, I love that line. Let your chest be filled with a brother's sigh. Um, yeah. it's just a practical example of, of how we can be living together in unity. And so I think that some Psalms require that to just place it out of a particular context and culture and into our context and culture. Right. But as I said, I want to do a whole, whole episode, maybe a couple episodes on, on that. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, um, I think that this, the church needs to be singing more Psalms. I, I, I really do. Yeah. And I think give us clean hands as a, as decent of a song that is, isn't, it's not a psalm. It, it just, it pulls from a psalm. It, it references a psalm, um, specifically the one that you read for us. Um, yeah. And that's what made me think about it. And fun fact, the last time I sang that song in church was literally the day before we shut down for COVID. Uh-huh. Okay. It, was un- it was unplanned. <laughs> we planned we planned the song weeks in advance before COVID was a thing. And we sang, give us clean hands. And then we shut down. So, <laughs> It's funny how things work out, huh? It's funny how things work out. the the yeah. week The week we came back, I sang, uh, I sang, while darkness veils his lovely face, while we were all wearing masks, and I didn't think about that one either. <laughs> In retrospect, In retro- was, it was particularly touching. I was leading it, and I was, and I was about to sing the line. Like I had it in my head. I'm like, "Do not laugh while I sing this. Do not laugh while I sing this." <laughs> But always creates an awkward moment. Always creates an awkward moment. So anyway, that's free. Um, yeah. So uh, in going to you, Grant, I know that you have had uh, some similar experiences, and uh, and I know that you've had some uh, some interesting uh, leanings recently. Uh, do you care to talk about that a little bit? 
I've heard rumors, uh, Grant. Well, no, well, the rumors are all true, of course. <laughs> uh, no, but growing up and for a large part of my life, songs were pretty much the hook to get the, the world into your church, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I, I remember uh, one Sunday we did um, House of the Rising Sun, you know, and this is going to bring them in. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, really? it was, was it like a Christianized version or was it no, just this? No, no. We did not see Amazing Grace to it. it and, <laughs> you know, we, we did stuff like this occasionally and it was like, yeah, people are really going to connect with this and then they're going to come to church and they're going to really, you know, lo- just love, you know, these people who, who can barely, you know, sing uh, doing this this tune and they're going to just be blown over uh with the you know with 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 the love of jesus and they're gonna you know just and it just didn't happen nobody came you know um the invites went out but um nobody came to nobody showed up to church for house of the rising sun nor should they (laughs) i didn't think twice about it i just figured this is what you do you have to have the good music and you know basically when i started listening to podcasts like yours or um just you know going deeper into bible study and beginning to think about these things a little bit more critically you begin to think it began that that model began to fall apart um that songs are meant as a hook to get the world into your church there's plenty of people out there who still believe but i i just don't see a that it works very well at least not at churches i've been a part of and b um even where it does work i live in oklahoma city we have i don't know it, this place seems to breed mega churches right <laughs> really <laughs> got all, oh yeah they're everywhere wow and you, they're just very it, you know the you, you hear the phrase sometimes, too heavenly-minded for your earthly good. I think a lot yeah. of churches here are too earthly-minded for heavenly good. Yeah. Um, and I don't agree with the first phrase to begin with. Um, I've never met anybody like that. and But I have met people who are way too earthly-minded for their heavenly good, sure, so to speak. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's where that kind of thing goes. Uh, that you get caught into this paradigm of like, we've got to provide X, Y, Z. Right. And what I began to understand as I got, uh, grew in a better understanding of what the regulative principle of worship is, is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. What's the true tradition? Because a lot of people are going to, well, that's just tradition. That's, yeah. you know, you, you, that's a preference. You need to, you know, sacrifice that preference on the altar of, 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 uh, you know, self or something like that. And the, um, I'm thinking of Romans 12 here, right? Um, you know, sacrifice all that stuff and then get on and love your neighbor and, and, and get with the program. But right, I think yeah. we've got the shoes on the other foot. Um, the, the tradition I feel is not, the regulative principle of worship that is merely a reflection of what the bible teaches about worship instead the tradition is goes all the way back to ancient catholic practices 
um, putting a veil between the kind of the altar area and the, you know, the proletariat area um, to kind of keep that part holy, set apart. Yeah. Make sure that the people don't defile it. Why do they have choirs? Well, because they wanted the choirs to sound really good. They didn't want any of that rabble kind of, um, you know, raising a hallelujah, so to speak. Um, they, you know, uh, they would, it was all about the show, you know, all about the incense, the smells, the sights, the sounds. And that's, yeah, that's like performance for God performing. Yes. Yes. To get something or to make God produce more, what, glory for you or to get more of God, you have to do a thing and you can extract value from God by performing. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what this almost sounds and like, Brian? The and Grant? Oh, well, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> wasn't expecting <laughs> that, but, but that works. No, I, I was just thinking, just listening to you talk, and, and I'm thinking that how you come down on this issue of the seeker-sensitive aspect of music, or music as a hook, as you put it, is how you define worship. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree? I do. Yes. That's if you were to we're ask somebody, playing. okay, define worship. And the, the answer you get would tell you a lot about how they think about this. It, I think that's where this boils mm-hmm. down to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is life all of worship or all <laughs> of life worship? All of life worship or worship all of life? <laughs> what does that even mean? Just answer the question. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, is, so is, it, uh, this, is this some sort of activity or is this something that is prescribed and set apart? Um, is different as something that's regular by scripture or is it not? And you're right. Yeah. You can find out a lot by putting, so I guess where that leaves me is the Psalms are safe. Nobody is going to argue with singing Psalms and worship. The question still remains, though, and I, I know you both are on the the train of, um, you know, hey, you know, that I'm not not exclusive psalmody. I'm not exclusive psalmody necessarily, but I'm not not exclusive psalmody. You're favorable I'm, to it. I'm favorable to it, and very, I would be very happy if that were the church I was in. Is if they announced. On Sunday morning, tomorrow morning, they said, we're doing nothing but Psalms from here on out. I'd be like, all right, this is a good thing, and I think this is healthy, and I think this is right. Um, Frankly, if that were said to me, Grant, I would have the same reaction, you know, because you're right. They're safe. What could could we possibly get wrong? (laughs) Yeah. By singing that. So, yeah, I think I, I think I, I have that impulse, too. I think I do. And so that's kind of where I'm at um, a lot. And that's part of why when Brian and I started talking about the show, I was like, this is what I want to kind of explore is the question, what is worship? What is right worship? What is wrong worship? Um, What kinds of songs do we sing? How does what we sing affect how we uh, feel? Yes. How does wh- how we worship affect what we think about and how we think about it? Uh, how does it drive us to 
talk about God? How does it drive us to talk to others about God? How does it drive us to believe? Um, you know, these sorts of questions. And I'm, I'm hoping that, I don't know, through my struggles, maybe somebody will learn something, um, uh, namely myself. <laughs> Someone, meaning me. Yep. Meaning me. This is a show about me. It's not a show about me. But um, that's that's a little bit about kind of like my background, how it kind of came in, and which is why I do appreciate like hearing from both of you and your stories. And it feels like there are a lot of people today who have very similar stories and are beginning to wake up and begin to realize, wait a minute here, what have we been doing all these years? Yeah. I made this point on uh, the vlogging show last time around that COVID and the possible restrictions that may be put upon your church, it has been causing American Christians amongst other nations that are dealing with issues similar to this. They are intentionally or unintentionally grappling with issues pertaining to the regulative principle of worship. What is commanded and not commanded? What is allowed and not allowed? Are we allowed to disobey civilly because we have license to do this or not? You know, can, or we, if we're going to disobey in this area, do we have biblical warrant to do so or do we have to submit? And I think this is the perfect breeding ground right now for Christians and churches to be dealing with the regular principle of worship, whether they think they are or not. It's just, it's just happening. Absolutely. I want to civilly disobey. Well, okay. Why do you think you should? And they're going to end up with something that God is commanding or not. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's interesting. It's well, an interesting time to. we find ourselves in. Yeah. I mean, we, and I think John MacArthur is, uh, he's, he's taken that stand and we, we yeah. like St. Charles County is very Republican. Um, our kind of County official has said, I'll enforce the mask mandate when you show me proof that it does anything. And, uh, and so at our church, we wear masks and we do the social distancing thing, but it's mostly just to try to, it's mostly just to try to reach everyone. Uh, there are some that are scared. And so we want to take that into account. Uh, the majority of people don't care. They don't care about masks. They don't care about anything. And it seems like the majority of the county can't figure out why Chick-fil-A's lobby isn't open yet. Um, and you know, for the time being, you know, we, we just, we're just kind of chilling out and, and still enjoying church, but we can all see John MacArthur across the country really struggling. And he's, he is taking that stand so that, because I don't have to, I mean, I, I, I feel like I would if I was in that situation, but I don't have to, but it's nice seeing that there are people that are and that are showing, hey, we can do this. Um, Doug Wilson's church where they got arrested for having an outdoor hymn sing uh, and it's caught on video and we can see it. You know, and then that, it's opening the eyes to the rest of the church. And we're seeing this is serious. You know, we need to we need to find where the line in the sand is. And we need to figure out what side of it we're on. Um saw a study that 20% of people, 20% of regular church attendees 
completely stopped going to church when once the lockdowns hit. They never have been back. They never watched a single um, a single online service, and that's that's just the people that did it from day one. And so I'm sure that the numbers have trickled off since, like from that as well. They're probably I don't know what the percentage hasn't gone the last month, but twenty percent hasn't haven't even gone since like March. That's a serious number. It's close to one in four. Yeah, I mean, and one in four of a very large number. That's serious impact. Mm. It is, and uh, yeah, we're definitely noticing that too. Uh, just church attendance dropping off. Um, we do greeting every other week at our church, and uh, it's it's sparse. Uh, some weeks, uh, there was one week we counted maybe ten different groups going in. And that was it. And I think one of them was a pastor and it's sobering, but at the same time, I can't remember if this was on lightest form of flogging or somewhere else, but the, I think maybe it's just out there in the ether, but in the sense, there's a purification of the church in some ways potentially going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And you were, you were alluding to this too, uh, just a bit ago where, the Christians who are truly Christians are going to find a way to go to church, to worship God. And there are other people who maybe are sick and are still true Christians, but are trying to find a way to, to at least privately worship along with the church body via, you know, remote tool. But then there's another segment of people who weren't Christians, aren't Christians, and they're suddenly finding a whole nother day in their weekend that they had previously left undiscovered and are deciding that, you know, maybe now's the time uh, to kind of depart. And yeah, I didn't get zapped by lightning. So uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid to miss Sunday anymore. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of it, if that's what's really truly going on or not. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there's two ways to kind of look at it. Like, the the people that weren't necessarily pulling their weight, you know, the people that uh, either the thorny soil or the rocky soil Christians to kind of look at the four soils parable, you know, the thorny soil and the rocky soil, they were, they're members of the church. They're people that are going, you know, at least twice a month, but they're not actually Christians. And now that they don't have to go or they aren't going, or at least they got a little bit of time where they couldn't go. Um, you know, they're that the sun's beaten down on them and their roots haven't taken hold. And so this is an out, it's an out for them. But the people that are remaining are those that have the good soil. Um, one way you can look at it is, you know, the fat has been, is being trimmed off. Uh, another way to look at it is that the cancer is being cut out. I've heard both of those illustrations used before in previous sermons over the years the people that are in the church that aren't doing anything, they're either the fat or they're the cancer. And, uh, and as the, you know, as the weeds are being pulled out and as the, the good soil is still there, we can kind of go beyond the superficial and we can look at, you know, the regular principle of worship. And and I don't know if that's kind of what's happening, but that's just kind of a, a theory, I guess. But um, yeah. it definitely is there. Like a, that, that's a very logical, reasonable conclusion. I think I see that, Brian. 
Um, think of it, for example, in Washington State, like we said earlier, we talked about earlier. You're not a, it's not a law, but the governor has said that there is there's no congregational singing for the time being. I think it's for like a month. And if you are in a church and you are congregationally singing in defiance of that edict, um, it gets pretty real. It gets, it's just like, okay, we're doing this live now. Okay, what we're doing right now is in direct contradiction of the governor's wishes. And if you are not a believer, that might be scary. And I can see why. And an instance like that would probably push away the wolves. It might push away those who are not believers at all. And I think that's just one instance of many that are actually causing a bit of a separation. And I hope at first it might feel scary because, you know, or if you're a pastor or you're an elder board, like, you know, wow, you know, our, our, our uh, not membership roles necessarily, but uh, the, 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 there, aren't, there aren't any more. There are no longer butts in the seats. And that can be kind of alarming, you know, depending on how you look at it. But uh, as time goes on, it can only be looked at as a positive thing. Um, if there are those that are scared, we will minister to them and work with them, and we will get through this. There will just be a time frame where they may be separated from us to some degree, but they'll eventually come back. They will. If they're believers, but they're frightened at what's going on, they're going to come back. I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen, because this is a real disease. Uh, but I'm okay with, uh, with, uh, with sparse crowds if it means that those who were never with us in the first place go out from us. I'm okay with this. This is going to be a good thing. This is just a time where things are winnowed down and then we can build back up. So there are positives. There are positives in this. Yeah. For sure. And not, uh, you know, one thing that I, I, I personally always need to look for too is to be sure that we're not building or deriving any kind of pride out of that, right? Um, like, I'm one of the chosen ones. And I not stand. that... Not that uh, the fine people here uh, would ever do that. Um, but well, I sing extra loud, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I what you're dealing with there is something that uh, I feel like you can't have a lot of. You know, it kind of like takes care of that um, for you. You know, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, it's really interesting how. God, through his providence, is choosing to work at this time. I guess that's all I'm really trying to say. How can we understand it or, or derive the exact mechanisms that he's using? We can't. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I suspect that's what's, hap that's what's happening. There's something, there's something bigger going on yeah. in, this, in this crazy country of ours, and it's happening for a reason. Yep. Not to get all sappy on you. <laughs> yeah, I... I fully agree with with all that that sounds sounds very uh very good very reasonable um for me i just kind of want to share a little bit uh before i would even say before this last year i mean and i would even argue this wasn't my mindset even when before i started this podcast um i i'd pay no i really pay no mind to the to the psalms uh i i respected them for what they were but i didn't have any desire uh, to really sing them i'd been involved in a couple 
psalm singing sessions and I thought that's cool but I don't it didn't really strike me as a as anything in particular but I think someone asked me a question um and uh, the question was what are some psalms that have really ministered to you and I could not think of a single psalm that I could even point out aside from like 23 and and you know 46 and that was that's pretty much it like that's that's all that I could think of um and I've really taken it upon myself to try to uh to try to study the Psalms such that I can pick out more Psalms by number, uh, based on the content of the Psalm. And, uh, that's kind of been a personal goal of mine and it's been really good. And I've put together a playlist of, uh, of modern Psalm paraphrases that have nice. covers the entire Psalter. Um, there are large sections of the Psalter that do not have a lot of good options. And so I have an option in there that is not very good for a lot of them, but um, that's not very good quality music wise that I don't particularly enjoy. And I'd probably skip it uh, if it came up on a playlist, but it's there. Um, There's a lot that I've found that I've just really been able to grow closer to the particular Psalm and learn it, learn it more deeply because of these music. And and Psalm 133 uh, that I mentioned earlier is one of those. Um, and, uh, and not, not even because I, I, I don't like beards or I do like beards or whatever. I, I think that the beard imagery was, was interesting, especially when you look at who Aaron was and, uh, and you know, what the significance was that the high priest being anointed with oil in order to, um, to unify the body, not only with themselves, but to unify them with God as well. And, and. Uh, and that is a very beautiful image. Somewhat surprisingly, on the lightest form of flogging recently, you mentioned a relatively new is embrace too strong of a word, but a a definitely a side hug of the regulative yeah. principle of worship. I would say, yeah, like 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 um, it's a Baptist side hug, but it's like like really pushing the line. <laughs> are you leaving room for the spirit? Yeah, no, I am like really. Okay like really tightly engaged this side hug. Like I'm making people nervous. It's like, this guy needs to back off. This side hug is like the most intense side hug I've ever seen. That's the side hug I have with the RPW right now. It's a good, it's a good, I've been there. But what am I saying? <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, so what does regulative principle mean? How do you understand it? How do you see it? Well, we're going to come to this the point in the show where I disappoint you the most. And here we are. So let's begin. Um, <laughs> Grant just gets up and leaves. I'm done with you. That was the last word I ever heard from him. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, do you really? Uh, here's uh, David can't take all the credit. And we've mentioned David a lot here. We'll just say this officially David is. We love you, Mr. McCookie. We do. We love you, Mr. McCookie. He is uh, a Presbyterian. Um, he is RPCNA kind of Presbyterian and he adheres to the regulative principle of worship or as the reforms say worship because they have accents worship worship um, and and, it's not just the RPCNA just oh, I'm yeah. sorry I'm cutting in but um, I mean there's 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 plenty of people who would hold to it uh, or varying understandings of it anyway yeah. You're, yeah you're right about it. like OPC people I think are RPWs 
I don't know if we could say the PCA is. Maybe some of them are. Maybe they is PCA that they say they are, but it's like you know, who knows? How yeah, I have this exception to the Lord's Day. Yeah, which is a weird thing. We won't need to yeah. really get into it today. But I was just thinking the other day, like there's a lot of adherence to the RPW, and there is like, you would think that the RPW is like self-defining, and there would be a lot more. It's designed for unity and keeps everybody on the same page. But there are wildly different, diverging views as to how one can. Maybe that's a kettle of fish for another day. But anyways, um, really, what happened for me? Uh, some discussions with David on what this means and hit some challenges. It really this started with um, fog machines were funny for a while. Uh, Babylon B was making fun of fog machines for a while. I think Bethel people were using lots of fog machines and glitter machines and various other churches. And and I would say, well, that's really dumb in you know clear conscience. And David would say, well, why, Jim? Why is it dumb? Because saying something is dumb is not enough. Uh, if you're truly going to uh, decide if that's needed or useful in a, in a service or not, I'm like, you know what? He actually is kind of right on this. I need to, I need more than just me thinking that it's stupid because that's not good enough. And I started thinking about the regulative principle of worship. How is my worship regulated by the Bible? And um, and what is the degree to which it is a crime to di- divert from what is commanded in the Bible? Were things that I was starting to, to think about again. But really when it all truly changed was when Spirit and Truth came out. The wonderful documentary by Les Lamphere, his second movie, sequel to the first, called Calvinist. And I always call it The Calvinist, and David always makes fun of me for doing that. <laughs> like it's a Western or something. Um, but, uh, but Spirit and Truth, uh, that movie pushed me into a full embracing side hug of the RPW. And I'll explain why it's a side hug here shortly. But that movie changed everything for me. And I guess I, I'm like a success story of the movie. I didn't just like come in there already agreeing with the RPW and and watching it and just being, you know, reaffirming. Um, there, there were lots of those folks. But I was one of the folks who, before I watched it, believed one thing. And when I was done, believed another. And, uh, and that's not just because he had a compelling presentation. He had compelling arguments. And one of the more impactful quotes from that movie I'll share with you guys. I was also thinking concurrently with this movie was like, so what is, what is church for? Is it for, and the question is always, is always posed this way. Is church for believers or is it for unbelievers? You guys heard that question oh, yeah. bandied about? And that's like a popular debate. So we get the seeker sensitive and, movements and stuff. Yes, is it is it for you, you seeker sensitive for unbelievers? Are we are we tailoring our service? Are we making our music hook? Are we making it a hook? You know, do we have a coffee bar? Are we love bombing everybody, or is it for the believers? You know, the, those who are who are the, the committed the members of the church. Are we are we are we catering to them? And I always thought of it in terms of those two options. You know, um, and all of a sudden I watched a movie that told me that there was a third option. I had never once considered it before. And one of the quotes from the movie that really stuck with me was by one of the many, there's something about Scottish preachers that we love. (laughs) They could be speaking blatant heresy. I might like, like consider believing them. It was, uh, I I don't don't know if he is a popular name, but he was, uh, 
I think he was like pastor of like uh, he's he's a pastor of a, uh, a Presbyterian church in a southern state. I honestly can't remember his name, but uh, but he said that God is the primary customer and consumer of our worship. Amen. And I have never looked back. <laughs> honestly, there is a third option. The first two are meaningless. I can see that I think the primary worshipers are believers. So in that sense, uh, Sunday morning is not for believers, but I think it's facilitated by believers primarily. And I think that has its own uh, implications that could, you know, uh, help you think about, you know, the believers versus unbelievers question. But that aside, ultimately doesn't matter. It, that changed everything. Now, here's where it's still a side hug. Um, I'm not in a church that adheres to it. And we are elder-ruled. Not elder-led, we're, we're elder-ruled. I literally have no say in what goes on. I can have a conversation with somebody, but I, I just have to go with the flow. I either take it or leave it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, only one member of our elder board, I know for sure, adheres to the regulative principle of worship. And even he would have stark disagreements with our close personal mutual friend, David McCookie. So, so I'm, I think I embrace the regulative principle of worship. I just can't really do much about it other than just leaving for another church, which I haven't done. So that kind of, can tell, kind of tells you a lot about the degree to which I am pursuing this. Um, but I can t- it, it, it changed everything for me in terms of what is, what is worship first and foremost. How do I define that? What is the church service for? And answer that, that bell rung loud and clear for me. And moving forward, how do I think about this COVID mess that we're in? And what, where am I allowed to civilly disobey? Civilly? Where I'm allowed to disobey the civil authorities and where, I'm, where I should be submitting. That all comes down to how I think about the RPW. As we, as we wrap up, uh, do you guys have just any, any final, uh, any final thoughts about what we've been talking about? Uh, as we get ever closer to another Lord's day. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sorry to, um, come at it like this uh, i'm i'm curious like jim if everything was completely forgotten and brian unfortunately lost the recording what would you want people to take away from what we've talked about over the last couple hours here change is coming and it's going to hurt and the reason why you're not changing is because let me rephrase. I'm being put on the spot here. So we've talked a lot about change, right? Mm-hmm. And I've shared some examples of how I evolved a little bit politically, how I approached the Psalms, how I have, how I have altered my view of how I approach worship and Sunday morning and what is proper and not proper and how I've negotiated through COVID and how that speaks to how I do church. The reason why it's not happening in your 20s is because you're 
vastly ignorant, you're stupid, and you have no idea what's going on around you, and you need to stop that like really soon. I think my life would have been so much different if I embraced change in my 20s versus now in my late 30s. It happened way too late. But it's okay because it's how it happened. Here I am. And I think we need to relax a little bit of our cockiness and our confidence in the way that things are. There is a king, the kingdom of God is transcendent of so many things in your life that you have, you have no idea. And if you think you are in control of your mind and how you think about things, you're wrong because there's so much more out there for you to think through. Even if you, you are right about something, there is still extra layers that you can pursue that can help you get through this. So the show that I do is about that change, how I've gone from point A to point B. And yes, I'm mad that it took so long, but you know what? It's happening, so I'm happy about that. But if there's one thing I would want people to think about coming away from this show is that there are so many more layers underneath what you believe right now. And the time to explore those layers is now. The best time is 10 years ago, but the second best time is now. So that's my takeaway. Try and find, explore the layers now before it's too late. There you go. That's, that's raw Jim right there. That's good. Appreciate that. I don't think you're that far behind most people. I feel my journey has been very much the same. I'm, you know, 39 now. And uh, I wish I would have figured stuff out a lot sooner than that. Uh, How different life I wish you? I would have listened to my wife a lot more. <laughs> Me too. So I, I do have one final question. It's a question I, I alluded to earlier, and I don't know if you have an answer for it off the top of your head. It's a, it's a surprise question. but um, You guys with the surprise. No, I just I thought of it just now. What what would be a psalm, just one psalm that you have really um, connected with in, in particular uh, over the past year? I'm okay with being on the spot because I already know what the answer is. It's Psalm 130. Psalm 130. It is. Oh. In, in, in a corny way, it's my life psalm. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I would never I would never say that publicly like I just did. But no, let, let me uh, – I had it memorized in the King James at one point, but I have not recited it in some time, so I'm going to cheat and look it up. Out of the depths of the Lord. Uh, it's one of my favorite sung psalms as well. Sovereign Grace did a great version of Psalm 130. It's called, um, well, obviously it's really impactful because I have no idea what it is. Um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and look it up here and I'm going to read it for you. Martin it's it's actually very quick. It's very, it's very quick. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities... O oh Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. King James says, I say, more than watchmen for the morning. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. That's Psalm 130. Uh, that is by far my favorite psalm. Because it has it all for me. Mm-hmm. 
The first stanza is darkness. Second stanza is proto-gospel. It's preparation for the gospel. Uh, third stanza is the plea of the Christian. They're, they're waiting. We're waiting. We're all waiting for the, the final day. And uh, the last stanza is hope. He's a redeemer. That has it all for me. It, it always has. And so no matter what, stand, what place in life I have been in, that psalm has spoken to me. Other psalms have as well. Were you talking about Neil Stewart earlier, the Scottish person who lives in southern U.S.? I think yes. I think, That's why I think, David wants you to listen to episode two of Gospel Riot. Because I don't want to the, listen to that show. Sorry, I shouldn't. That was that was uncalled for. Because Neil Stewart was the guest on yes, episode I, two, and that's why David. To him. That one. I would listen to him. He's cool. I really <laughs> like him. My wife. Um, it was has a good episode, since actually. That movie has uh, listened to sermons of his. He's really cool. Another notable um, quote from that movie by him: He said that he teaches uh, preaching students to preach as one enthralled by Christ, and in order to huh. do that, you have to be enthralled by Christ. Very impactful take. That's, that's it's a good obvious one. when he says that. Yeah, that's, but it's a good one. He's cool. Well, Jim. We've come to the end. We have come to nearly the end of the day here on the center of the of the, the country in the central. In top. Nebraska. In, it's all late where you guys are. Yeah, at least we're not, you know, in Eastern time over where the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is. And it's... yes. It's eleven forty-four there in Ben Robin Land. Um, <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> that's what it's called. That's what, it, that's what I always called it when I was there. Um, but uh, I wanted to uh, just say thank you for for coming. Uh, I hope this thank is you not the last time that, that we have you on the show. Uh, oh, this was sure. so much fun. I want to come back. This you guys are so so cool to talk to. Yeah, this was great. It was it was it was great. And so uh, we are. I think well over two hours of raw footage uh, so far that I'm going to I love have it. to figure <laughs> Your out. Your show how. does run a little long, but little your long. listeners love it. So it's that, cool. Yeah, that's why we do every other week so that we can have a long podcast and give you time to listen to it. Um, Great. It's three guys talking, my favorite genre. My favorite, my favorite <laughs> genre. Absolutely. It's an improvement upon the two guys it talking yes. uh, as previous. Yeah. It is. It is a vast improvement. Uh, and, We're not- uh, quite to yeah white horse in levels of participation where you have four or five guys talking but yeah we're getting there we are we, we will get there eventually i'm sure uh, but i wanted to go ahead and say ponder anew what the almighty can do if in his love he befriend thee there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded Your
for listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback, so rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. Well, thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Balm in Gilead. And once again, I would like to thank uh, Jim Briggs for coming on the show. And uh, if you haven't yet, please check out his podcast, The Lightest Form of Flogging. We will have a link to that in our show notes. Uh, Also, um, our conversation with Jim went on for quite a bit longer than we could fit into one of our episodes. So I have pulled a bonus portion of that conversation out, and we are going to have it on our website as exclusive bonus content. We will link to that in our show notes. So please, if you enjoyed this conversation, check out our show notes. Go to our website at bombcast.com and check out the exclusive bonus content uh, where we discuss politics and parenting. Again, thank you for listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast.